0: and behold the heavens were opened a ninth season
1: (laughs) we believe in the trinity we believe in the five solas we believe in the doctrines of grace man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God Matthew 4 4 a lot of the time people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have our own ministry doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do or whether you're quote unquote in ministry you have a ministry
0: as we mature we walk we we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him so fa- but,
1: so so salvation by faith.
0: Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas, like what is biblical love? You know, what is, what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love, like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters.
1: Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 407. We've got internet problems already. That's okay. I'm physically here, but really in Colorado. My name is Caleb Haig.
0: I am trying to figure out what I'm going to be talking about in Colorado. So I'm neither here nor in Colorado, but uh, somewhere in between. I'm Rob Vanhoef.
1: I so at the very beginning of this, I messaged I messaged my wife and was like, "Get the kids off the internet," and now it's green. So we're hoping that that was the uh, that was the problem. We'll we'll just keep praying.
0: All right, keep praying and keeping kids off the internet both.
1: So, So yes, exactly. Hopefully, see, but now it's it's back and forth. I don't know what's going on. I think I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure it out one didn't, way or the other. did
0: you get, like, fiber optic or something?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I got a really, like, expensive modem. I'm just watching so, this thing. Sounds expensive. I'm just watching this thing. Yeah, I got a really expensive modem. And uh, so probably the culprit now is the, uh, the router. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So how's the prep for There's the There's a classic
0: Steve Martin comedy record. So growing up, my older brother had these big LPs. And he had these comedy records. So we're talking late seventies, right? Right. <laughs> and so one of them was I would like go and put them on the turntable and like listen to these. It's like a recording of a comedy, right, uh, right, right, Routine. And he and Steve Martin, crazy, you know. I don't know some of this stuff, but some of the stuff is pretty funny. And one of the things was he bought the stereo system. And he was so excited, and he played it. He's like, it sounded awful. He didn't say it that way. He said it, or, but it sounded awful. So then he went and bought fancier and fancier and then he's like the dodeca whatever's with like a thousand speakers right it still sounded awful and then he thought hey maybe it's the needle (laughs) 20 cents (laughs) yeah so it's like back to the the thing you know you get all this nice stuff and there could be one weak link yeah well
1: you know on the upside to all of our internet problems the nice thing the blessings abound. And the reason why is because I've moved into a new office. So that is really nice. That you
0: yourself built and That's, it has not collapsed. Nobody, you know.
1: Yes. Praise the Lord. Nope. <laughs> and I, I've gotten a new system. I've gotten a new sound system. I got a new computer. Uh, it's and not all because of the show, but you are uh, equipped. You are equipped. Well, we, we 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 got what we needed, which was uh, a blessing, and it took it took a little while, but you know it took us about a year to save the shekels and finally
0: get what we needed. But I admire that, brother. I, I I admire what you that you built that, and and uh,
1: yeah, it's nice, man. It's nice in here. I like it. It's cold, but it's nice. Okay, let's move on to more important things. Um, well, first before we move on, I actually want to ask you about this. What's going on with uh with ETS and SBL?
0: Well, uh, I got my program for ETS. So I, yeah, so kind I, of so got, I. started Holiness. to go through that and, and look yeah. at things that I want to, uh, people I want to listen to. Usually the first strategy is, you know, cause this is what's cool about these uh, catalogs. You can go by index of scholars. So it's like, okay, what are the right. main scholars I'm interested in, that I know about, that I'm interested in? Right. And then you go through and, and grab those, mark those. And then I go, okay, topics what topics am I interested in? And then we go there. And, and so, but you're presenting you know, two papers, right? Not at ET at SBL. Yes. So, I mean, are, are not they written? The, that's what I'm kind of in. Uh, are you in freakout mode yet? Mode. Re, research is
1: done. Is your wife but, ready to smack you over the head with a skillet yeah, yet? Probably.
0: Research is done, but, for me, I'm, I'm high connectivity, right? So all the ideas are super connected to each other. So one of my challenges in converting it into a linear presentation, right. Of text is, is strategizing, like, how, how am I going to present to this specific audience? So I have to think you start in terms of, you know, why is the audience at the Masora section? Why is the audience at the Midrash section? And then I, have to frame the presentation according, you know, what I according to how I think will be the most engaging for that audience. But for me, it's all. I mean, it's all super connected, and I could talk for hours and hours on on it. So, on both topics. So, yeah. uh, anyway, it's it, it's cool. It's this is one of those things that I think is great uh, that. Yeah, you know, like, you know, you and I often pray, we're we're grateful for, you know, where the Lord has us and what what we have, that there's so much work to do. And, but there's a sense of going and giving presentations like this kind of, uh, you know, there's a sense of like, you know, kind of get nervous um, because there is, it's a mixed audience, but, uh, you know, different faith backgrounds, maybe no faith at all, but very high level of attention to detail and you know, you could be ready like to uh, <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to get the uh, spanking kind of thing, you know, uh, your academic whacking. Now I don't mean for, because someone disagrees with you with your faith. That's not what I'm talking about because that doesn't no. matter to me. I, I don't care if someone in the audience uh, has a different faith tradition or something like that. To right. me, it's, are you being lazy in your scholarship? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you do your homework? Yep. Did you, did you actually do your homework? And to me, there's a, a level of respectability that when it's like, okay, that person, I, I know that they worked hard to do that and they, they did a really good job, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to agree with their faith, right? It, it, that's the, that's the one of the goods I think about SBL. It has a lot of cons. It's, it's not for everybody. Um, and, of course, we don't go to every single, right? I mean, it's like a phone book of options. Right. And so right. You, you, just like with so anything. So I got a story about this. I got a story about this, what you're talking
1: about. So it, so when we were in Denver last time, right, uh, I went to. 2018, some, that's been four years. Right. And I, I was excited because there was something on the Eucharist. And in the Last Supper. so like and
0: a, a or a. a, a so
1: it was somebody I'd never heard of. And so that's why I was like, oh, okay, great. Maybe this guy's going to bring some, uh, you know, some perspective that I haven't heard of. So I walked in, sat down, and it was clear in the first five minutes he had not done, he had not looked at any of the new work by oh, Petrie man. or anybody else. So what do you do? Like,
0: it's he, like, do you
1: He, he hadn't. He, well, he, w- I was thinking, okay, well, I could comment that he hadn't, hadn't, you know, considered all of this work or that the latest scholarship, you know, obviously is, is contrary to what he's saying <coughs> and that the scholars have pretty much proven it through, you know, uh, Jan Hales is another one that, uh, that, uh, has done incre- incredible work that this person didn't seem to be aware of. And finally, I just thought, you know, he's, pre- he's, he's building everything on this. Mm-hmm. And there were people in the room that were, much, you know, juggernauts compared to anything. Um, and so I just got up and left five minutes in, I just thought it's not worth it. Uh, so Joshua in the chat room says, I feel like you have to be really grounded in what you believe in why otherwise it would just confuse you or even discourage you to attend or be involved with SPL that is. Um, so I understand what you're saying. However, the SBL and the ETS are very, ETS is, they're becoming two very different beasts. They didn't used to be, but now they are. The ETS is, is uh, you have to find, uh, sign a faith statement to be a part of it and to attend the, uh, not to attend, but you have to sign a faith state statement to be a part of the the ETS and then to present. Unless you're invited, I believe. Anyway, the uh, uh, ETS is great. And this year, the uh, the topic is holiness which is really interesting because you have a lot of christians now considering holiness sanctification you know god's law and these kind of things so i'm looking through right the book and, just and saying, it's
0: heightened because of the craziness of the culture right they're like right wait a minute yeah. we can't go with the pc usa and just make a new gender for our membership you know we're going to have a third gender option for our church members. Now it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is getting crazy. Like, and so, but where are they going to go if they don't believe God's laws endures Um, back to the point though, of it's really true in life, right? Yeshua calls us to like, know who we are, right? But we can't know who we are unless we know who he is. So Yeshua says, know who I am. (laughs) Right. So that's true in any instance, but, but I think that point that you made or you shared that someone typed up is correct it's a more intense situation. Why? Because you're going into territory where the Bible is the main topic and you have highly contested, um, a bunch of highly contested readings of the Bible, all in a dense, uh, intense week. Um, It's kind of like a, in a way, it's like a, a intellectual Jerusalem, right? You go to Jerusalem and you've got your, armenians you've got your mormons you've got your ultra orthodox you've got your secular jews you've got muslims right you've got evangelical american tourists coming around like blowing Shofar, you know you've got all of this all at one location right (laughs) and so in a way sbl is like this moving intellectual pseudo jerusalem uh so there is a there is a tension in the air um
1: yeah, can we you know, go down a, a
0: total? Can we
1: just go down and a, a totally different rabbit hole for a few seconds? Have you seen the hubbub that everybody's been making about um, the Chosen season three trailer and that Jesus? You, Jesus in the trailer. I think
0: you mentioned it. I don't. I decided like I
1: wasn't going to watch that show just because it's like. I, yeah, that's fine. But in the trailer, yeah. you know, the G, the guy who portrays Jesus is talking and he says, "I am the law of Moses," and and the internet. Freaked out. The Christian internet freaked out because they said, "Oh, this is a this is a, a quote from the Book of Mormon, right?"
0: And oh, I didn't know that. Is
1: it? Well, no, it's not. And what do you oh. meme the the uh, who's at ETS uh, every year? Um, what do you meme? Did an incredible video on how this is not from the Book of Mormon and where this uh, attack this attack kind of came from. And uh, it's you know it, it came from Wretched and Todd Friel, And, uh, the interesting thing is that Todd Friel, what do you mean he, he shows in Todd Friel's book, Todd Friel actually says, and Jesus is the law of God. Jesus is the law of God. So even Todd Friel says it, but then Todd Friel is the one who was like bashing the book of Mormon for putting this line in, which is not actually a quote from the book of Mormon. Okay. So why do I bring all that up? Uh, first of all, we don't need to do a video on that. Go watch. What do you memes? Uh, video it's, it really is it is really good. He, d- he did his homework and you can tell so that we don't need to reinvent the wheel, but talking about holiness and the ETS and this idea of, of, uh, you know, grounding, you're talking about the culture and grounding where Christianity needs to be in the law of God. Right. And just the thought of like, okay, well I'm, I'm fully immersed right now in the holiness code, which is, uh, Leviticus 19 through 26. And Throughout that passage of scripture, God continues to say, "Be holy, for I am holy." Right, and so then he lists basically how how that's supposed to be walked out. Right, be holy for I am holy, and I've been noticing there's there's almost a uh, a ledger of the Ten Commandments right in there, and then we have the we have the um what do we have we have the kosher laws we have all of the the uh, festivals. Right. So, I mean, it's just this, uh, it's, it's this expansion of, of be holy for I am holy. But then in the apostolic scriptures, Christ tells us to walk as he walks, right? Be like him. And it's, I'm just kind of thinking of like these connections of, you know, does he actually, does the, do we find the quote, I am the law of Moses? Not exactly that, but clearly we can see that Yeshua is saying, be holy for I am holy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just like God says it in Leviticus, right? You know, what we do see is like Romans 10. It says for for Christ is the telos of the Torah. Right, the goal. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, uh, for righteousness to, for all who believe. Yeah. So, um Yeah, interesting interesting stuff.
1: Anyway, I just thought about that because we, you know, we're going to a conference. What's really interesting about this this specific topic is this idea of, of law keeping and sanctification. And then we have really good, really good, uh, you know, some of the top scholars, uh, Old Testament scholars like uh, Block. You know, in Block's book uh, Covenant, which I've been reading for months now because it's seven hundred and fifty pages long. I read a couple of pages each morning, but the, so it'll probably take me a year and a half. But anyway, <clears throat> it's interesting because he makes a case why Christians should be keeping the, the Sabbath and that the Sabbath is not done away with. And to me, that is kind of a blockbuster
0: Blockbuster. Blo- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did it. But he, does he say it's Sa- Sunday though, right? No, he does not say that.
1: He doesn't. He says that he says that Christians should, that uh, the church basically is mistaken on the the Sabbath. Now, he says, he in that same breath, he says, just the weekly Sabbath. So I can't wait to actually see Dr. B- Block. Um,
0: is he presenting? Did you look in the...
1: I don't know. Uh, I have hmm. not looked. Hang on, just a second. There's a couple of things in here. Todd Friel wasn't the first to point out the issue, but Todd Friel is who everyone pushes back in favor of the chosen likes to tear down. That's a broken sentence, but that's okay. I I think I understand where you're coming from. And then Dustin says, Todd Friel responded, stating that the article was not written nor approved by him. No, no, no. In What Do You Memes uh, video, go watch it. Todd Friel has a video where he specifically says that the chosen uh, quotes the Book of Mormon and starts pushing against that. It's not an article. He states that he has other issues with the show, but does not consider the, this issue to be one of them. Uh, yeah, I would go watch the video. Go watch. To, what do you mean? He's he's done good work on this, in, including his references to Friel and um, Wretched. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see um, Dr. Block. Uh, he's there every year, so I don't know why he wouldn't be there this year. But uh, I, I want to ask him about that, because I think that, once again, I think that we're starting to see a, a turning of the tide within the, the church on issues of the Sabbath, and maybe even Torah observance in general. All right, be a part of this conversation, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, hag at com C-H-E-G-G at com. We have been having issues at Torah Resource, um, but we're getting them fixed as we speak. And uh yeah, that's the best I can say. If you are trying to log in and it gives you an error message, try logging in a second time on that page and it'll let you in. We're trying to fix that. I know. It's annoying. Uh but don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up. It really does help us. I know that sounds weird, but it does help us. Okay. Let's jump in. We're 20 minutes in and um we still haven't even gotten to our notes. Let's get to our notes. What do we got? Eh, da, 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 da. Cody says this, if Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 17, that the law would pass after his death when all is fulfilled as mainstream Christianity teaches, then wouldn't that contradict the law God gave saying not to add or take away and to run away from anyone saying otherwise, thus making him a false prophet by God's own standard? Yes. uh, So Rob has a lot to say about this, but just my response real quick, Cody, I have called this what I have termed the Mormon controversy and the reason I, I uh, have called it that is because um, basically if if someone can come and say that, that that past stuff doesn't matter like Joseph Smith does in his commentary on Matthew 5:17 that the law he says that the law has been abolished doesn't that make him a false prophet? And if the canon is closed and someone says like Muhammad or like Joseph Smith that they have new revelation. Or wouldn't that mean that uh, they are a false prophet? And the answer is yes. So, from the standard Christian view of Matthew five seventeen and following, this has problems. Now, there are uh, responses to such to responses like that from me. There are responses to my argument. I think that they fall very flat. People try to show that the word "forever" doesn't mean forever. They go to things uh, predominantly like the tabernacle, which say throughout your generations, um, there are responses to that as well. So the point here is simply that, um, yes, I think that your logic here is absolutely spot
0: on Rob. Um, I forgot to pull it up. So I was quickly grabbing it (laughs) on my, on my computer here. So We're looking at Matthew 5.18, is that right?
1: 5.17, yep, and following.
0: Okay, so that's where he says, so the NASB says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. So I think if I'm hearing the question right, it's reading that to say after all is accomplished. Oh, yeah all these things will pass away. Is, right. that, is that what's being implied?
1: Yeah, so, uh, so the Go way that to I... Go
0: back one of the first statements that you
1: read. Yeah, if Jesus, Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 17 that the law would pass away after his death,
0: there, okay, when all is fulfilled. It, the law would pass away. Is that what Jesus is saying? Is he Correct. saying the law will pass away? And my, I think it's an idiom it, it i think that's a misreading and i'll give you an example my my proof text would be genesis 28:15 this is the jacob's ladder and jacob's having a vision and the lord tells him behold i am with you and will keep you wherever you go i will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you well it's this it's heos is the greek word it, it's used in the septuagint and this passage and it's the same word in matthew 5 18 and if i read it as genesis 28 15 as, oh god's gonna leave jacob right the idea oh well god's saying he's like yeah i'm gonna see i'm gonna watch over you while you're in Padanaram, and i'm gonna bring you back to the land of israel but then i'm out of here because i it says i will not leave you until i've done this Right. Well, that's but that's not what the Torah is teaching, what it's doing. It's assuring that God is not going to abandon Jacob at all right. during these trials, because Forever. the trials that Jacob is going to go through for the next 20 years are going to be very difficult and very trying. And this is a message of assurance right. that that I'm in no way going to leave you. And so until in English, sadly allows our English speaking brain to shift into a like, oh, that means when Jacob gets back to the promised land, God says, yeah, you're on your own now. No, but we would read, we would read the Bible and we'd go, no, we know what, what does Jacob say to Pharaoh? When Jacob at the end of his life meets Pharaoh and sees Joseph, he says the God who's, I've been my whole time. He's been with me. He never left me. So the idiom behind Matthew 5.18 is not that the Torah is God or that Jesus is saying the Torah is going to be gone after that. It's an assurance that it is enduring. It that's And, and the context is people telling you that it's not. Right. And, and or people what, telling you that I'm that they're interpreting me to say that it's not, and he's assuring them of its enduring validity. So I
1: I completely agree and understand what you're idea. saying. I I it comes from a misunderstanding of the word until I get that. But even then, one of the things that people that that many Christians believe is that everything was accomplished on the cross. Now they're going to say, oh, it's heresy to say that it wasn't. To tell but, us thy. But the the fact of the matter is, is that when we look at the scriptures, there is plenty that has not yet been accomplished. Christ is not physically reigning from Jerusalem right now. His word has not gone out to all the nations. The nations are not coming up and worshiping Mm -hmm. him in, you know, in Jerusalem. So these things must happen for everything to be fulfilled. He has not thrown death into the lake of fire. And so, so these are things that need to be accomplished. So even if the word until meant until in our, uh, you know, in our Western thinking, which it doesn't. But even if it did, there would be major problems with the standard Christian uh, thought pattern on this. And the reason why is because not everything is accomplished. Is everything accomplished to secure our our uh, salvation for eternity? Of course it is.
0: Yes. Of course, of course it is. It is.
1: But but that that is not the that that doesn't mean that everything has been accomplished.
0: Everything needing to be accomplished exactly. What we have to recommend. What we have to recognize. God made creation with a purpose. Creation has a purpose. God is building something. Yeshua says, "I'm building my ecclesia." Right. All of creation is a. You could say it's a building project. And it's an. It's a. Says God, build a building on sand. That's going to look pretty and draw a lot, of, draw a huge crowd. But then when the storm comes, everybody's going to die because it's going to collapse. And he didn't know how to build a house. No, he builds a house on the rock. Right. So that no matter what happens, that house stays standing. That's the, That's how we need to understand it. His word endures I, forever in the heavens. That's what it says in Psalm 119. Yeah, Le'olam absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Dvarcha An alien invasion.
1: Is it biblical? Of course it is. Okay, let's move on. Um, Okay, yeah, I I think that that's good enough for that. Let's uh, move to... Okay, we've talked about this before, and... But we got a we got a, a question on it and I don't know if we want to actually spend too much time on this I don't think we do but they, but it's okay we' we'll, we'll read the the question and comment on it and move on um, somebody says I have what I feel is a silly question but one I've been pondering for a f- few years could you guys discuss symbolism in the synagogue primarily the star of David <clears throat> since learning about Torah and coming out of the Christian Church there's certain things I am not a fan of like the traditional Christian cross, because it seems to have become a central focus of worship slash idolatry or graven image. So w- let's go to the, to the Torah itself, right? Within the Torah, God tells Israel to make a symbol, right? And what is that symbol? It's a snake on a bronze snake on a, on a pole, right? And they're supposed to look at this bronze snake on a pole. And What are they supposed to do with it? Well, when they, when they look at it, they are to, they'll be healed from the snake bites, the venomous snake bites, right? Okay, I'm trying to fix my, uh, sorry, my picture here at the same time. Um, So with that said, what happens? Well, Israel ends up worshiping it. And uh, that is obviously wrong and the, the serpent now needs to be destroyed. Okay, so any good symbol can turn into something bad. And I agree that the uh, the cross has taken on some interesting symbolism within our culture. Satan has taken the cross, uh, which was a certainly a symbol of death, and has turned it into something that's just everybody wears it. Doesn't matter who you are, right? There's all sorts of people who wear a cross, but. If we think of the symbolism of Christ taking something, a symbol of death, and turning it into eternal life for His chosen, I understand why people would want to wear the cross. It shows something that is, um, it shows something that is, is a central part of our theology. He has taken death and made it life for us, right? Okay, so I understand that. When it comes to uh, synagogue imagery, we do see a lot of of uh, middle age. Middle Ages and um, later, mystical symbolism that has come into the synagogue, things like the Hamza, right? So the Hamza, if you ever see someone like a Jewish person, maybe wearing a hand with an eye in it, this is a mystical uh, symbol. They believe that uh, this wards off evil spirits. If you're in Israel, you'll see these on houses a lot as well for a long period of time. Um, Jewish mysticism taught that the, uh, that the mezuzah was actually a, a way to ward off evil spirits. Now in rabbinical Judaism's defense here, uh, the, uh, the rabbis said not a chance. And this actually kind of went by the wayside because there was such pushback on the idea of, of such a, uh, such a belief. So, um, certainly good things, like a mezuzah or other things, can be turned into evil things. There's no doubt about that. So where are we on the, uh, on the Star of David? Um, unlike many people within the Torah movement, I don't believe that we have evidence that the, uh, that the Star of David was first used in some kind of pagan imagery. In fact, I think the evidence, the first uses that we see of a Star of David as a Star of David, a six-pointed star, is in synagogues. And this is early. I believe the first ones that we see are in mosaics on the floor of a synagogue that date back. And I, I, I could be off on this. So maybe I shouldn't even give a date. But I think it's sometime in the second or third century, which is before the, the real rise of, of Jewish mysticism. So um, I don't personally have a problem with a Star of David. Uh, however, I mean, I'm not one to wear a Star of David around or, or any other symbol for that matter. But uh, that's just kind of where I've stood. I don't have a problem if people are using the Star of David. Um, and I think that predominantly it has been seen as a Jewish, as a Jewish uh, symbol. It is a, a sign of Judaism uh, more than anything else,
0: Rob. And it's a, a, well, and it's a sign of the state of Israel too. I mean, it's on the flag. Right. Um, yeah, the, you know, with any symbol, you're going to have diverse interpretations. And so, in my view, I, I I agree with you, Caleb. It's like you know what I think. If someone had now, if you see someone <laughs> with a star of David and they're like saying curses or right. incantations and stuff, I you know, I would. But like they did totally that with
1: they did that with a tetragrammaton too, right? With the with yeah, the four letter yeah, name of yeah, God. Yeah. So there obviously, go. good things can can be used for evil, no matter what. So, um, yeah, which I, is re- to me, I'm sorry, it's not I'm a sorry. I'm going to hold on that for just one second. The, okay. the, that's interesting because what's, what just came to mind is interesting to me. The, the Baal Shems use the sacred name of God for incantations, which ultimately is what? That's blasphemy. Right? I mean, that is blaspheming the name of God. Anyway, okay, keep going. I'm sorry.
0: So is it, here, here's a question if we use the word religious. Are these religious symbols? And for me, uh, what is religion? It gets into real touchy spaces, you know, like, because religion is one of, for someone who's religious, usually that's one of the most intimate, personal things to them that they hold right. uh, dear. Uh, and so you got to be really careful, you know, in terms of what are your goal? What are your goals with interacting with another person? Are you building genuine friendship and relationship are you are you living at peace with somebody and then are you speaking the truth in love or are you on a crusade to smash everything that in your eyes needs to be smashed and you're not caring about individual souls so and maybe you're somewhere on that uh spectrum you know between those ends uh in my view if there could be someone who has the star of David and it's innocent it's and it's and there's no reason to to uh criticize it uh because it, and you could ask him you know if you're if you're wondering ask it ask somebody what it means to them if they have a star of David around their neck you know like on a pendant or something ask him what it means to them if they have a cross you know you that's a good conversation or ask him what it means to them right you might be surprised you know you You know, I would say, you know, try to learn the view of the person who is somehow that made that symbol part of their life. And I would say the same about the cross. Yeah, same with the cross. Um, But again, you know, your position is to be one of, you know, we're called, we have a high calling to, to walk with God in his love that means we love him and we seek to love others and we are called to be a blessing and um and if you're concerned about how somebody's using it now now these are like the cross or the star of david those those for the most part come within religious traditions but if someone's got like a like a just a different symbol that's like pagan and they're part of some weird thing that's a different story you want to right. you know you could still talk to that person and ask him what it means to them <clears throat> but, but that's going to be a slightly different posture because uh, you could be dealing with someone who is dabbling in the occult or something like that uh and so so and again of course someone could use the star of david or maybe even a cross or like an upside down you know um uh, there's a bunch of silly stuff out there that people get involved with, but I think I think Kale, you and I are on the same page. I, if someone has a, a star of David that's meaningful to them, then you know, then then fine. Uh, ask them about yeah. it. But if they go, oh, this is the kabbalistic uh, representation of da da da, I would I would say, look, man, you're a little too excited about that. <laughs> you know <laughs> calm yeah. down man calm down all right
1: let's uh let's move on i, w- I would uh,
0: i would have the the half goes off uh, app on my phone and i would just right. that's
1: right <laughs> All right. Our good friend, Matt Gerard wrote in, he wrote in with, uh, well, 14, 15 questions. We're going to go back to some of these. These are not in any particular order and not the order that he sent them in at either. Uh, however, this one was interesting to me because I think that there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here. Matt writes and he says within the two house discussion, the I, and this is a discussion that we had weeks back he says, within the two house discussion, the idea that God chose a bloodline is a racist idea was highlighted. That is not what was highlighted. And I'm sorry if that's what came uh, through. I don't believe that God chose a, a bloodline is, is, is a racist idea. What I think is a racist idea is the idea that the Jews have, that many Jews, not all, but many Jews have, that the Jews are somehow better and or spiritually superior in God's eyes because Israel was the chosen race. So I don't think that God choosing a bloodline is racist. He obviously chose the descendants of Jacob. There's no problem with that. The question that needs to be asked is what were they chosen for? Were they chosen that only the Jews could be saved?
0: That's racist. That's what Jesus would say. That's like lighting a lamp and putting it under the bed or putting it under a barrel.
1: It negates the and it's and it's anti-Bible because it negates the Abrahamic promise in your seed, all the nations right. of the earth will be blessed. So the and, point right. is, is the point is not that it's racist that God would choose a, a race of people. He chose the Jewish people to carry on the covenants, but that's the key right there to carry on the covenants. It's not that He chose them because they're superior in spirituality, or that God loves uh, you know Jewish people because of their bloodline more than He loves the Gentile. That's not the case at all. What the point is, is that Israel was chosen to carry the covenants to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles would be able to learn about God's law and so that they too would come to faith in in God and so that God would then love them in the same way that he loves the the native born, right? The stranger is just as important in God's eyes as as the native born, as long as they're covenant members. And so so my point is not that it's racist that God would choose a a bloodline he did choo- choose a bloodline what the racist part is is that the Jew that many Jews not all but many Jews have then taken that and said we're better than everybody God chose us God loves us more than anyone or, and or if you want
0: your Bible interpretation doesn't matter because you're not Jewish oh, right I can't believe that I've actually heard that before and and, or that, and not only or here's that, another one. Um, by someone who's not even Jewish, but they think that they've converted. Uh, sure. I think it. Th- I think of things from a Jewish perspective. So there's always more than one uh, opinion. I'm just like, oh my goodness, who's fed you this? Like, let, Let's actually, okay, let, while we're on this kick, let's
1: just highlight some of the racist thinking that goes on with this. My kids are Jewish, yours aren't. Mine can be bar mitzvah, yours can't. Uh, I'm Jewish, so I can come and read the Torah from the Bema, but you can't. Uh, I'm Jewish by blood, so I get to say these prayers that say, God of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, but you're a Gentile, so you can't. These are all racist ideas because they place bloodline as better in God's eyes than other people. Here's another one, and probably the crux of the argument. Uh, You can't be saved unless you become Jewish. These are racist ideas. Those are racist ideas. Is it racist to say, uh, well, uh, God chose Israel? No, that's not racist. The, but what needs to follow on the, on the heels of a statement like that is what he chose them for. And Paul tells us, what, that, what benefit then is it for, to be a Jew? Much in every way. For they are, I'm, I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it in front of me.
0: They, they carry the covenants. They are in charge of carrying the covenants. To them has been entrusted the word of God. That's the light of the word of God. Back to Yeshua's picture, the the light goes on a lampstand, right? The idea is so it gives light to everybody in the house. It's right. it's not to be tucked under and hidden. And those who says you know they they uh, back to Romans ten, you know they have a zeal for God, but not according to right, not according to knowledge. They instead of seeking the, the, to understand the righteousness of God they, they try to establish their own righteousness and uh but, yeah, so but I, even that problem the problem of Israel and the Torah and the nations and Israel struggling with is this insular are we to just keep everything is it just for us or is it actually for every everybody else that that struggle that it, between Jacob and Israel between the lamp under the bushel and the lamp on the lampstand the light on the lampstand is a struggle that every human has. It's the it's a right. struggle with with sin. So it's not because once you are a believer, right? It's the, it's the same issue. You know, all believers are to be lights. We are we we are. You know, that's what we are as new creations. You are in fact a light in so, the, and in the this, dark world. And
1: this actually goes to we can look at uh, later rabbinic thought as well. If you look at the Noahide laws, which so many it's it's a little embarrassing that people within the Torah movement think that the Noahide laws are something beneficial for them. The, Torah, the Noahide laws were a response from Judaism saying God loves us more because he gave us 300 or 613 commandments. He only gave the Gentiles seven commandments and they can't even keep those. They're still going to hell because of it. So that's a racist. Uh, bold, uh, there's, there are two racist lines of thoughts in that. First of all, God loves us more because he gave us more commandments. So that in my opinion is in fact a racist, idea. God loves us more because of bloodline. And then also the Gentiles are so below God's truth that they can't even keep seven commandments. Also a racist thought. That's not, is it a racist thought that the, that the Jews were chosen? Absolutely not. But there is a lot of racism that comes from, uh, the idea that Israel is chosen because people have not rightly understood what they were chosen for. Uh, so the rest of the comment that Matt makes here actually is just predicated on that misunderstanding, so I'm not going to read the rest of it. No offense to Matt in any way, shape, or form. It, uh, I'm actually really glad that he sent that in because I think if he believed, if he heard us say that or heard, you know, believed that that's what we were saying, then other people did as well, and that simply was not the case. Okay, let's go on to another question from Matt. Matt writes in again, and he says, When Yeshua died, was it only a physical death of his human body, or was he separated from the Father? If he was separated, does that mean that there was a brief moment in time that the Trinity ceased to be the Trinity, seeing that two of the persons did not have a relationship uh, uh, for that brief time? So I think that this is an interesting question. However, I also think that there is maybe some uh, standard confusion of what it means to be separated or... So I think that the, the standard notion that hell is a place where God isn't, that we are separated from God in terms of God isn't there, is an incorrect notion. I think that um, hell, as, as we might think of it, is the place where God's wrath is poured out. What that means and how that looks, I don't know. Um, and I know that we'll get a lot of uh, annihilationists writing on, on this video. That's fine. But for me, the notion is, was Christ punished by God for the sins of the elect? And I would say, yes, I believe that he was punished for the sins of the elect. And what that looks like, I don't know. In fact, this actually brings up um, liturgical problems as well. So isn't it, uh, I, I might get this wrong and bear with me here, but I believe it's the Apostles Creed says that he was that he uh, was sent to hell. And so then there's this question, the, the the theological question comes in, did Yeshua actually go to hell during the three days that he was in the earth? Or was he just, uh, or did he go to heaven to be with the father? Or what, like what happens there? And uh, I think that the scripture doesn't tell us and therefore we shouldn't then, however, it, in the, there is an argument to be said that, that, some, that he went somewhere, right? He visited souls or something.
0: Um, there's, a, there's a great article by Tim Haig on, that, on the Torah Resource website about uh, that passage from Peter. Uh, right. I think that's a good uh, place for people to start if they want to find that.
1: So um, Love is Bigger says is it racist to be against Gentiles? We only have one race. The human one isn't more like we need to give understanding of what prejudiced theology is. I'm kind of sick of the word racist. Yeah. I mean, I understand that in our modern time, the, the word racist is being thrown around a lot. And I understand I live in the Tacoma, Seattle area. So if, if somebody disagrees with you uh, in, in my city, you're a racist. That's, so I understand why people would be um, uh, offended by that, but, or uh, sick of that term. However, the, 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 uh, according to my understanding of the term, uh, the actual term racist, it means someone who believes that a, uh, another race or a bloodline is beneath another race or bloodline. In other words, there is a better race. Now, th- racism can come in, in any race. You know, obviously we think of maybe white nationalists, but, you know, I have seen many black Americans who are racist towards white Americans. I've seen Asian Americans who are racist against other nationalities. I mean, racism happens all the time. And I see, and what I see in Judaism oftentimes is a, we're better because God chose us. And I think that that at its core is in fact a racist idea, um, That doesn't mean that I don't think that the that Israel was chosen that a bloodline was chosen. I do think a bloodline was chosen, and actually, what was it chosen through? A Gentile. Abraham was a Gentile; he wasn't a Jew. So the bloodline was actually established through a through a Gentile. The rabbis have all sorts of problems with this; they don't really know what to do with it.
0: Um,
1: Well, it it ties to
0: you know contemporary. discourse, if you will, on identity mm-hmm. and ethnicity as well in that, you know, there's, there are people who struggle with identity. They struggle with d- defining themselves as some sort of gender, even as we know, right. Or, uh, even race. We've had people, there was that, who is that girl? Uh, it was in Spokane, Washington town where I, I live by, where, the lady who is head of the local NAACP, right? right, Was white, but she had presented herself as African-American for years. And then finally her family came out and says, no, like, like she's white. And then she got all this back, she got fired from that job and all this. And then she says, well, she still identifies, right? As being black. And it's like, okay, so, with in the jewish world you have the issue of um you, you have the issue of identity of like jewish identity and what does it mean to be jewish in the world and if you take a poll and you look at the those ultra orthodox right it's going to mean we are the true humans and the nations of the world are animals basically i mean that extreme position is in some of the the more uh, you know intense forms of ultra orthodoxy, but all the way then as you go to the left, if you go to the liberal side, you get a, a great reduction in that insistence. Right, More to like, well, everybody. But the thing is when they do that, they are also then doing like the PCUSA. Well, we're going to have more gender boxes available for church members, right? You reduce the that sense of identity that those borders and all of a sudden but now all these other borders disappear and so that it's it is an issue of holiness it is an issue of the of God's law and what it means to be in Messiah right and Paul says at the end of Galatians 3 right there is neither Jew nor Greek right what what is he saying why does he say that? Saying, there's no more Jews no more Greeks that's not what he's saying. He's saying that these are social categories whereby people prejudge other people. Right. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know. I'm not with that guy. I'm not with that person. Oh, that's a woman. Oh, that that guy. I'm a um, I'm a free person. That person's a slave. And and the kind of the imbibed socialization that people in the first century had that thoughts that went unchecked. Right. They were governed by these. This was like the status quo, right? Governed by these social norms. And what the gospel to come, well, the Torah does it. Uh, but because of the institutions to teach the Torah had dropped the ball. You have John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. You have Yeshua coming. And they're smashing down those strongholds. And then, And Paul takes that light really brightly forward. But he's always smashing down anybody who's going to use this kind of claim. Like you can somehow classify a person according to something other than their own soul right uh and then you can somehow then treat them a certain way james touches on this in james chapter 2 and in our second year greek we're reading through the epistle of james it's like you know someone comes into your synagogue and they have really nice clothing and a gold ring and you're like oh you sit here and then someone else comes in and they're dressed you know they don't have any money they're dressed uh and and uh you know poor clothing and you say oh you you sit over here by my feet and he's like you cannot do that and and have the faith of yeshua at the same time though you he says you've become you've become a respecter of persons and you've become a transgressor of the torah so why would james have to talk that way why would paul have to write this way it's because it was just in they were inundated it was everywhere in their society and they had to speak against it over and over and over again so people could like learn the lesson oh i'm not supposed to judge somebody based on these pre-packaged categories like oh you're from you know and that's you know we see that in like uh the book of enoch with some of the animal uh parables you know uh, oh you're you're from uh Eat them. So therefore you're like a donkey or, or therefore you're like a pig. If you're from Rome right. or you're right. And that get, that touches on the acts 10 vision too. classifying people like only the sheep and the, uh, the clean animals represent Israel, but all the unclean animals represent the nations of the world. Uh, and the gospel is absolutely against that, that kind of thinking. Yeah. All right,
1: we're going to uh, we're going to call it right there, and the reason why is because we're almost out of time. But uh, our stream stopped a while ago, and so Ooh, our chat oh, is gone, better. and uh, so we're just going to uh, we're putting out videos five days a week now. We'll see another. Uh, You'll see another original video on Friday of Mystery Bible Theater 3000. If you have uh, something you want us to talk about on this show, or if you want uh, something crazy to be talked about on Mystery Bible Theater 3000, send us an email, cheggatourresource.com, chegg com. .com. You can also give us a call and uh, leave a voice message, 253 465-3205. 465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Hey, it's been fun. I'm sorry about our stream, and I wish that it wasn't the case, but it is the case. So, we still hope that this conversation does has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.